Hi, I'm Jacqueline. And I'm Courtney. And this is Caffeinated Crimes. Welcome to the actual 2021 now. Um, We welcomed you guys last week, but as of last week when we recorded, it was still 2020. So we weren't sure if the clock was really going to change over, but it did. So we are in 2021. So we're joining you guys now. Yeah, we're up to date. We're not in the hellhole that was 2020. Who knows if 2021 will be better? <laughs> Maybe not. But we can hope. Let's have some hope. <laughs> yes, it may be worse. I don't know. But, you know, it's hopefully it's, it's better and there's some hope for the future. Um, but to end out 2020 on December 30th, I think it was. I believe. I think on December 30th, Samuel Little died. So obviously he is a very infamous serial killer here in the United States. Um, He died at the age of 80 while in prison. So not a horrible way to end 2020. Yeah, not too bad. Um, There was some big kind of true crime things happening, you know, with the Zodiac puzzle and now Sam Little's dying. Like, Maybe 2021 is the year where we're going to get all our answers and all the serial killers will be punished. Yes. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe this will be, you know, maybe that's what 2020 was just leading up to. That's why 2020 had to be a shit show so that all of these things could fall into place. You know, I do feel like there were a lot of previously unsolved crimes that information came to light in 2020 because people were at home because people didn't have, you know, other things keeping them occupied and so they had more time to dive into stuff like that so you know who knows we'll see yeah we had to bring satan from hell in 2020 and he's like let me give you all the tea i know all the bad people (laughs) that's exactly what happened (laughs) Oh. oh gosh well speaking of just pure evil this week's case um is quite the case so I didn't even really write an intro because it's just so horrific like it doesn't even deserve that like shock factor intro you know what I mean um so today's episode is about S.A. Sagawa who is also known as the Japanese cannibal um and it's pretty horrific so just like major trigger warning obviously cannibalism so yeah so that's what we are doing today. This was a listener suggestion um, by our listener and Patreon supporter, Emily. So thank you, Emily, for the suggestion. Um, This is not one that I had heard of before. There is a a lot of documentary, movie, there's a lot of media out there, but a lot of it is very sensationalized, which we'll get into a little bit. Um, You know, facts about the case are very limited. So it might be a little bit of a shorter episode, but there will be plenty to talk about. So don't you worry. Yeah, and I just, I mean, obviously I don't like cannibals, but man, I really don't like cannibals. No. It it freaks me out. It, mm, mm mm-mm. Especially this one. Like, not that any of them are, like, okay or acceptable, but this one is just horrific. Um, Yeah, so we're just going to get into it. We're just going to dive on in. Sorry for that horrible intro, you know? This one just didn't really deserve a good one, so... (laughs) So um, we got some information from the documentary, The Cannibal That Walked Free, spoiler alert of what's going to happen in this episode, Um, Murderpedia, FilmDaily.com, and AllThat'sInteresting.com. So S.A. Sagawa was born on June 11th, 1949 in Kobe Hayoga Prefecture, Japan. 
Hope that's correct. If not, I apologize. (laughs) So he was born premature and would remain small and weak throughout his life, and he would only reach a height of four foot nine at his full adult height. So pretty tiny man. Um, His parents were very wealthy and strict. Sagawa described them as overprotective because of his size and his health. And he says that he began having urges towards cannibalism as a young child, which does not sound normal at all. I was too busy playing with, like, Barbies and Polly Pockets. I was not thinking about eating anybody. (laughs) Well, Courtney, while you were playing with those toys many years later, because he's a lot older than us, um, (laughs) but during his childhood, what Essay was doing um, is he was playing a game with his uncle where his uncle would pretend to eat him and his brother. So... I don't know what kind of childhood games y'all have in Japan, but I'm pretty sure that was just a Sagawa thing. I don't think that's normal. Yeah. And he also describes a dream where he and his brother were being cooked in a pot. And so he decided then that he wanted to know what it would be like to eat another human. And in first grade, he noticed a classmate's thighs. And his first thought was, mmm, that looks delicious. In first grade. Yeah, there's... That's weird. I wonder... Like, his uncle would pretend to, like, eat them, but I wonder if it was, like, more than that or something. Because, I mean, mm, in yeah. first grade, that's a very, like, mature thought to have, I feel like, to be like, yes. oh, I could eat that thigh. Because in first grade, I feel like I was still, like, shoving shit up my nose. <laughs> like, <laughs> like sure, I was learning addition and whatever you learn in first grade. I don't know. But, like, I also feel like I wasn't smart enough to look at someone and be like, hmm, I'm going to eat that. I could eat that person. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel like that's a, um, a line of thought that many people have, fortunately. <laughs> so as he hit puberty, Sagawa was really awkward and shy around girls, and he just really idealized like Western beauty and described his ideal woman as white, tall, blonde-haired, and blue-eyed. And he was just like obsessed with this type of woman. Jacqueline, you better watch out. I know, right? I was reading this, I was like, oh man, this cannibal coming for me. <laughs> um... So he blames Western beauty like Grace Kelly for his fantasies and says it's the same thing as sexualizing them. Uh, mm, no, 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 no. Like if you're looking at someone and being like, I really, really want to eat them, like eat their flesh. It is not the same as some guy looking like having a Grace Kelly poster in his room being like, I wish I could bone her. It's not the same. No, those are two very different things. As his feelings toward cannibalism intensified, Sagawa was waiting for a sign that it was time to act on them. And he also says that he had no desire to ever kill anyone. He just wanted to, quote, gnaw on their flesh. Okay. Um, okay. So when he was 23, he was living in Tokyo with his parents when a German girl moved into his neighborhood. And she just met all of his criteria for the perfect woman. Again, he had no intentions of killing her, supposedly, but he wanted to eat a piece of her butt, specifically. Sir, leave my butt alone. Leave women's butts alone. So he put on a rubber Frankenstein mask and carried an umbrella to enter her room through her window. And in the process, he bumped against her and woke her up. So she immediately began screaming and he tried to run away, but she was bigger and stronger. And so she grabbed him and held him while she called police, which (laughs) is just so funny that she's just like, oh no, little man, you are not getting away. Get back here. Stay right here. (laughs) 
So he was arrested for attempted rape, but the charges were dropped after his father paid off the girl. Again, he came from a very wealthy family, so his dad's like, look, I'll just give you some money to make this go away because he didn't actually do anything. Obviously, he would have if he could have, yeah. but I guess in her mind, it's like, oh, okay, I can get this large sum of money or I can go to court for possibly having the potential to be traumatized, if that makes sense. Yeah, and also, I mean, this only would have been, what, like, the 60s, early 70s? And we also know, like, attempted rape, rape, all that wasn't taken as seriously. I don't really know about in Japan, but I know about in America, it just wasn't taken as serious as it is today. Exactly. So, at this time, a doctor did determine that Sagawa was very dangerous, but, you know, there was no treatment or any attempt to make him, to get him help. So five years later, Sagawa moved to Paris to study a doctorate in literature at the Sorbonne University. I hope I pronounced that correctly. (laughs) I studied French, so I should have, but you know, no guarantees. (laughs) So he would bring sex workers home almost every night and try to shoot them from behind, um, but he clearly failed because he did not do this more than once that we know of. Um, And he said it it became less about wanting to eat them, but more of an obsession with the idea that he just simply had to carry out this ritual of killing a girl no matter what. So this is just like this obsession now that he is fantasizing about all the time. Yeah. And eventually he found the woman that he believed would be the perfect choice. So Sagawa was immediately attracted to 25-year-old Dutch student René Hartevelt, And he thought that she was just beautiful, and she was one of the few students who actually attempted to talk to him and included him in outings, which just infuriates me because I'm like, this one person, and I feel like this happens a lot in cases like this, where Mm -hmm. you're like an outcast and you don't have any friends, and one person attempts to be nice to you, and then you murder them. (laughs) Like, Yeah. It's like preying on, like people's like kindness i mean that's what ted bundy did you know he pretended to be injured so people who are kind and want to help people are the ones like he would target and it's just it sucks because you know she's just trying to be a good person and include you yeah and you're a dick exactly So. so great so after she invited him out with some other friends he decided that he must kill and eat her he just had such a fantastic time out on this quote-unquote date. I mean, it wasn't really a date. It was just some friends hanging out. But you know how when you get home from a date and you're like, man, that was a great time. Like, I really must eat this girl? No, that's not where your brain should ever go. She was so nice and so pretty and we really got along. Only rational thing to do from here is to eat her. Yeah, what else would I do? I, I Second date? No, no, no. So he spent the next few weeks planning this and building a relationship with her. So he would invite her over for dinner frequently to like attempt to gain her trust. And she also began helping him with his German. And he had attempted to kill her once, but it was unsuccessful. So basically he had her where her back was turned to him and he shot and the gun misfired. <laughs> so, But he didn't take this as a sign to give up, but rather to try harder. Yeah, he wasn't like, this is a sign that maybe I shouldn't do it. He was like, this is a sign I gotta try harder. Yep, gotta do it again. You know, when you don't meet your goals, you just gotta keep going until you do. (laughs) I really wanted to run a mile in like eight minutes, and I only (laughs) did like nine. I gotta try harder. Gotta try again, yep. So on June 11th, 1981, which was his 32nd birthday, Sagawa invited Rene to dinner at his apartment to discuss German poetry. 
So he asked her to read a poem in German so that he could record her speaking fluently so it would like help him later with the poem. So Sagawa had her sit at his desk to read the poem, which the poem was about cannibalism. Just FYI. Which is like eerie. Yeah. So then while she was reading it and he's, while he's recording this whole thing on his tape recorder, he approaches her from behind and shoots her in the neck with a rifle. So Sagawa claims that he fainted after shooting her, but then when he awoke, he was determined to continue with his plan of eating her. So clearly he's like, oh my God, I just killed somebody, but still gotta follow through with this whole eating thing because that was my plan. And he also claims that he thought about calling an ambulance, but he wanted to continue the plan that he waited 32 years for. He's like, nope, I can't. I gotta go through with this. Yeah, he's like, should I help her? I can't. I feel like I just imagine him with like, an angel and a devil on both shoulders and being like, oh, do it. No, call an ambulance. No, do this. No, do that. Like, that is what yeah. I imagine him, like, how he talks. Absolutely. To be, like, his little angels on his shoulder telling him what yeah. what to do, fighting it's over like, it. Because clearly he recognizes that this isn't okay. You know, that's the thing, too, is, like, it's not like he... And we'll get into his quote-unquote mental illness or not later, but it's not like he's talking about... I just had to do this and I couldn't control my urges and I had like he's acknowledging that like this is wrong and he shouldn't do it you know yeah so as a small and weak man as we mentioned and we'll continue to mention because he's a piece of shit so that should be repeated over and over um <laughs> Zagawa said that he picked Renee because of her health and beauty and he wanted to quote absorb her energy so now that Renée was dead, he raped her corpse and then proceeded to spend the next couple of days slowly eating her body in his apartment. And in the documentary, he describes in very graphic detail what it was like cutting into and eating her body. Um, so again, that was called The Cannibal That Walked Free. If you guys are interested in watching that and hearing him talk about it, we're not going to talk about it here because... That never needs to be repeated ever, but if you have a morbid curiosity... And it'll it'll scar you, because he compares it to, like, yes. food that you actually should eat, and it's, no. mm -mm. it's mm -mm. not fun. So ultimately, he says his only regret is that he didn't eat her while alive. Okay, um, and he said, quote, What I truly wish was to eat her living flesh. Nobody believed me, but my ultimate intention was to eat her, not necessarily to kill her. And he also calls this need, quote, simply a fetish. Okay. No, some guy wanting to suck on my big toe is a fetish. Yes. You wanting to, like, kill and eat me is not a fetish. That There are plenty of fetishes out there. Many are acceptable. Like, you do your thing. We don't kink shame here. Cannibalism is not a fetish. Period. It's illegal. Unfortunately, there's very little information about Renée, except that she was a 25-year-old Dutch student studying in Paris at the time of her murder. So on June 13th, he put what was left of her body in two suitcases and hailed a cab to a remote lake in a park. And he was struggling with these heavy suitcases, because remember, he's small and weak. <laughs> and onlookers began to take notice. So he left the suitcases by a bench and just took off. And so a man obviously saw him do this because peop the whole this is probably a busy park. Yeah. Like, um, and so the guy's like, I'll, I'll go check out these suitcases. And as soon as he opened them, he began to scream, naturally. Obviously. And so they called police and they arrived within minutes and an autopsy was completed, but her body was too badly mutilated to identify. 
and the autopsy showed evidence of the post-mortem sexual assault, and the skin and other body parts were missing. So, the witness who found the body described the man to the police as a small Asian man, so they began a manhunt for him. I'm not laughing at the small Asian man, just the fact that we have to point out that he was a small, weak man at every point possible. (laughs) Yes. So, don't forget he was very small. Small, (laughs) small, small, small. Um, Tiny, tiny little weak man, in case you forgot, just to remind you. Tiny little small. (laughs) Um, So... The cab driver contacted police and told them he took a man who fit that description to the lake that night. And he remembers him because he was surprised to be taking someone with suitcases to a park instead of a train station. Because I'm assuming these are two pretty large suitcases. Yes. So. Uh, Okay. Yeah. It's like. (laughs) We never give advice here on how to murder and get away with it. But. We do all the time. What are you talking about? (laughs) True. (laughs) But if you're going to dispose of a body in a suitcase at a lake maybe don't take a cab because what like why would you and my thing is you show up and you're struggling with these suitcases and people see you and i'm like why do you just leave the suitcases yeah like why wouldn't you take them with you or something like i don't know like his whole thought process is just crazy yeah i don't understand so police track down the man and eventually they do arrest essay outside of his apartment two days after Renee's body was discovered. So he immediately confessed to killing Renee inside his apartment. And so police were shocked when they entered his apartment because they just found body parts everywhere, just like all over the apartment, including in his freezer and leftovers on a plate, like with condiments. So Uh, I guess uh. he was using some seasoning. So this did indicate he had engaged in cannibalism after killing her. He had also recorded the murder, like the audio of the murder on tape, and had an array of photos of her body as he cut and ate her for two days. Yeah. Like... So he was just having, like, a little personal photo session, I guess? Yeah, the police said it was just, like, like a photo progression of the murder, and as he slowly cut away and ate her body... Like, he took pictures of her body after, like, every time that he made a new cut on it. Think of the poor PTSD Ugh, for those officers. Right? Oh, Lord. Having to look at that, like, ooh. Uh, uh, so he was in prison in France for two years awaiting trial, and a year of that was spent conducting a psychological evaluation. And so the reports found that he was hung up on his height, not self-assured, oversensitive, and emotionally cold and self-satisfied when discussing the murder. So he doesn't care. He doesn't... He's... I mean, obviously he's proud of this, like, and that hasn't changed between yeah, when it happened remorse. and, like, a year later. Yeah. So, after two years, the judge found him legally insane and unfit to stand trial. So, Daddy comes in again with his money and hires an expensive lawyer like who claimed that the French hospital did nothing to treat him, and then he should be sent to Japan where he'd be hospitalized and treated. So, French officials are like, you know what? You're right. Go ahead. Go to Japan. One condition. You can never return to France. Like, please don't ever come back here. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, you know what? Go ahead and take him. We don't want to deal with him. You can never return. You are banned from France. (laughs) So he goes back to Japan. And in Japan, he was evaluated in a mental hospital and found to be sane but evil. Which is not really what you want (laughs) to be found. Um, Nope. It's like... You're evil, and you know it. (laughs) Yeah. 
Like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just evil. However, they were unable to hold him because they didn't have the necessary papers from the French courts to be able to do so. So he was not sentenced to the mental hospital. Um, He could just check himself out, and he did on August 12th, 1986, and he has been a free man since then. This man is still alive. Let that sink in for a minute, y'all. He spent two years in prison awaiting trial, and then a few months in a mental hospital getting an evaluation, and then he's been free since then. Hence the title of the documentary, The Cannibal That Walked Free, because this man literally got away with it. Don't worry, it gets worse. Yeah, and again, he again he is so self-absorbed that he wrote a book called In the Fog, where he graphically describes his crimes. Um, and the book quickly sold out across Japan, so the next step, he just went and wrote an additional 19 books about the crime. Which... I mean, he was never, like, like, double jeopardy doesn't apply here. So I'm like, how is there no way Mm -hmm. that you can, like, charge him again? I feel like if I was Rennie's family, I would be like, get this dude back here and fucking charge him. Yeah. Like, Like, I would be pissed. And I don't, I think the issue is because, like, I don't think France could try him again because he was extradited to Japan. So I think they don't have the authority to try him again. And then I think Japan claims that... France didn't give them the documents they needed, so they can't. So I think there's some legal issue of why they can't charge him again. Um, but also, like this man is profiting off of these crimes. Like he is writing these yeah. books and making this money because, as we talked about before, in the United States we have what are called son of Sam laws, where you cannot profit off of your own crimes. So you cannot write a book, make a movie, whatever, and make money describing a criminal act that you yourself did. But clearly Japan does not have that law because this man is making money off of this, which is, I, I don't know what's most disgusting about this case. Yeah, at least at the time when the book came out. I don't know when he wrote that book. Yeah. In the 80s or whatever. And I'm just like, send the paperwork. Right? Like, is <laughs> like, there nothing that can be done here, guys? You don't there have a no fax loopholes. machine? Nothing? Okay. <sighs> so he later became a columnist, a guest speaker, commentator, a restaurant reviewer... I bet he's real big on Yelp. Mm-hmm. Uh, porn star and filmmaker. So, which I'm not going to lie. I'm a little interested because he's so short. <laughs> Is everything short? Probably. We did say. I'm, I'm not going to look to find out. But if you somehow know, let me know. We did say he's a very tiny, weak man. I'm sure that applies everywhere. Yes. He became infamous across Japan, and he's become an anti-hero as the man who ate the beautiful Western woman. So, And in the documentary, they interviewed this man who talked about how in Japanese culture, like, Western women are seen as, like, untouchable. Like, they're just, like, this, like, ideal beauty that, like, that they just have these qualities that are like, oh, well, these Japanese people can never be with them. So he Mm -hmm. became this anti-hero because it's, like, not only were you with her, like, you, like, dominated her and ate her. And so, like, people enjoyed this about him. Like... <sighs> don't love that. No. But don't love that. Also, I feel like we should just make a compilation of all of the noises that have come out of my mouth during this episode <laughs> because there's been a lot of them. <laughs> <sighs> so, as he got older, he began meeting white Western women online and traveling with them, which I would be horrified if, like, I didn't know and found out, like... Right? Mm-mm. 
And in the documentary, he shows off his many photos of himself with these women. And he claims all of these women in the photos are alive and well, but this cannot be confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says his need to eat women gets worse in the summer when, like, more flesh is showing, you know? So it's, like, 100 degrees outside, so you wear a tank top, and that just really gets him going. So, um, and, like... In the All That's Interesting article, I guess, like, on the way to this interview where he's quoted, he'd seen a girl on the train station with a nice butt that he just really wanted to eat. He says he just really wants to eat another woman before he dies. And he said, quote, What I'm saying is I can't bear the thought of leaving this life without ever tasting that derriere that I saw this morning or her thighs. I want to eat them again while I'm alive so I can at least be satisfied when I die. So this is like an interview. So like clearly like on the way to this interview, he saw this girl, I guess with a nice butt and he's still talking about it in the interview. Yeah. Like this guy clearly has got some issues. And also I am wondering cause I'm constantly amazed about how like fucked up people are. Uh huh. But I feel like out there, there is probably a woman who's like, come eat my thigh. Like, can you not find someone who you can like consent to like this weird act with? I mean, probably, but I don't think he's really big into consent, unfortunately. I mean, that's true. It might be the whole, like, not doing it thing. But I'm just like, I'm sure you could find someone somewhere. That would be into that. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, as long as you're not killing her, as long as you're just... Because he says he wants to eat it, like, while she's alive. Like, he wants, like, the live flesh or whatever. Anyway. Oh, boy. So... He's not been checked on by police or mental health authorities for decades. Um, His bedroom is just covered in photos of young Japanese women. And he said his taste taste in women has changed over the years, like as he's gotten older. And he now prefers Japanese women. I don't know if that's just because he probably can't travel as much. Right. (laughs) So in the documentary, he agreed to have his first psychological evaluation in 20 years and during this evaluation he describes his fascination with cannibalism from a young age and says that babies eat from their mother's breasts so it makes sense that children would grow old and long to eat the rest of the breast i'm sorry what no no what no that's not how this works that's not how any of this works that's i mean i'm i'm gonna go on a limb here and say millions of babies are breastfed. <laughs> there are not millions of cannibals. Also, you like butts and thighs, so where are you getting breasts now, huh? Mm-hmm. You switching it you up? You don't eat out of a butt. I mean, I hope not. Yes, you could, but you don't get nutrition from it. I hope not. <laughs> so, today he resides in Tokyo and has continued to enjoy his infamy, although he did eventually change his name, um, and he also continues to profit off the murder of Rennie. So, that is the story of the Japanese cannibal, the tiny, tiny, small, small, weak man <laughs> of Ese <laughs> Sagawa. Yeah, I... Again, I know I've re- I realize I've just made a lot of noises in this episode because there's some things that words just cannot. <laughs> yeah, I was just disgusted watching that documentary and seeing him and seeing him talk about it and just he talks about it like how he ate breakfast. Like like you're just saying like, "Oh, I had this delicious pancake with this and this and this is what it tasted like and this is" and then I went for a stroll in the park and yeah. and he just talks about it so nonchalantly that like 
this guy does not give two shits. Like, he does not care at all. And I'm honestly shocked he's not reoffended. Yeah. And I just wonder if it's because he is sane and he knows, like, I will probably mm-hmm. go to jail and get charged if I do it again. So, but that also makes me think, like, the whole serial killers, like, compelled to kill, yeah. like, can't resist is not true not in this case, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just weird to me that he's so obsessed to this day with, like, mm-hmm. I want to eat a woman. I want to eat her thighs, her butt, whatever. But he hasn't done it again. Okay, so I have two thoughts on this. So, one, maybe he has done it again. But I don't think it's too likely because he was so bad at it the first time. Like, you got caught so easily that yeah. I can't imagine that you would just immediately, like get so much smarter at being able to hide that but it is possible that he's done it again and gotten away with it two maybe he just enjoys the attention so much that that like satisfies it for him that maybe it's not so much about the actual act of doing it but like the horror of people knowing that that's what you want to do and so now that he's like and i mean as you said people are like putting him on a pedestal and so like that's making him feel strong so Yeah, I don't know. Because he has this tiny man complex, as we said, because he's a little bitty tiny man. And so this is something that, like like you said, it boosts him up on a pedestal. And it's something that he has become famous for and that he's, like, idolized for. And, like, he is, like, the man that was able to conquer and eat this white Western woman. And so it gives him this feeling of empowerment that he enjoys. So... Maybe it's more about that than the actual cannibalism itself, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's just so weird. Like, my whole goal in life is to, like, eat a woman. And then you're like, I want to do it again. But you just don't? Like, I wonder... I don't know. There's some stuff going on in his head that I don't even know. Which is what makes me think that he is perfectly legally sane. Like... Yeah. There's too many... No. No, you're sane. Because I feel like if you were legally insane, you probably would have reoffended and been caught with it as well. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't have the mental capacity to understand what you're doing, yes. you would do it again. And he knows it's wrong. Like, I don't know. Because that's the thing with legal insanity is it's it's not so much about whether or not you have a diagnosed mental illness. It's whether or not at the time of your crime you knew right from wrong. Yeah. And clearly he does. Like, clearly it's obvious that he knows that this is not okay and this is not acceptable. Because if he thought it was acceptable, I feel like he would have done it again and been caught. Exactly. Because I can't imagine he would do it again, especially with how much, like, spotlight there is on him. Yeah. That he could easily get away with it. But who knows? Maybe he's, like, targeting vulnerable populations, like... Yeah. And I, I don't know. I mean, that I could know, be it too. Yeah. I mean, like, look at how long the Green River Killer got away with it because he was killing sex workers and no one gave a shit about these sex workers. So, yeah. I mean, it could be something like that where he's targeting this vulnerable population that when they're found dead on the streets, people look the other way and they don't really. It might be like, a, oh, okay, well, we'll put their information in the database, but we're not going to try really hard to, like, solve this murder because who cares about them? No one, they didn't even have any family or friends or anything, you know? Yeah, and I also feel like if he was committing again, I'm like, I feel like he wouldn't be able to not, like, gloat about it. 
I mean, you wrote, what, 20, That's a good point. 20 books about this one crime you committed? Yeah. So I'm like, I feel like there's no way he could keep doing it and not be like, by the way, look what I did. Or yeah. do, like, pull, like, an O.J. Simpson and write, like, a if I did yes. it. Like, if I were to kill again, this is what I'd do. Like, he would totally do something like that. Like Absolutely. Yeah. And just poor Renee's family. Like... The, oh my gosh, I cannot even imagine the traumatic experience of having your loved one murdered, eaten, and then to have this monster just paraded all over the country for the next 30, 40, however many years it's been at this point. Yeah. Like, disgusting. Disgusting. Ugh. So, so like we said, today's episode was a little bit shorter just because, unfortunately, there's not... I mean, I guess fortunately, because we're not going to give you those gross details, but unfortunately there's nothing more about Renee to talk about who she was as a person, which we really hate not being able to do that. But I tried really hard. And if you guys know information about her, please let us know. We would love to do an update, even if it's just a couple of minutes, just Mm -hmm. talking about who she was, but we couldn't find anything. But Courtney, what is your perk of the week? Okay, my part of the week, so this is like our first episode back recording from like our little break we took, which was much needed. And so much. It was like Christmas time, and I don't know, everyone got me just such thoughtful presents, and it was just, and like seeing everyone else open their presents and all that, it was just so happy, and I got really emotional like every time I opened someone's gift to me, because it was just like the nicest thing ever, and so thoughtful, (laughs) and so... (laughs) Um, I just got really emotional because 2020 has been an emotional year, but it just made me happy. You know, even though most of my gifts I opened from like friends and family were from a distance or like shipped or whatever. uh, It was Mm -hmm. so nice to just be able to have that little ending moment on the year. And also my part of the week is just that it's 2021 and hopefully it'll be better. (laughs) So yes, those are both really good perks of the week. Yeah, so that was kind of a, a really loaded perk of the week, but it was just, the whole season was, it was very nice. So, yeah. Jacqueline, what is your perk of the week? So, my perk of the week, if you guys remember, I don't remember how many weeks ago it was now, but we talked about the fact that Courtney and I should do a Law & Order SVU podcast, okay? <laughs> like, the week, I think it was the week that episode was released, like, not even the week we recorded it. I think it was the week that it was released. Mm-hmm. Um, the Exactly Right Network came out that they're going to have a Law & Order SVU podcast, so, of course, I'm like, these bitches stole our idea. We could have totally done this. But you know what? They do it way better than we ever could. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so um, it's called That's Messed Up. And, again, it's through the Exactly Right Network. But, basically, they don't go, like, in order. They just pick, like, random episodes, which mm-hmm. is how most people watch Law & Order, you know. Um, so they pick an episode, and they give, like, a recap of the episode. So they're both huge Law & Order SVU fans, and so they talk about just – what's happening in the episode, any, like, behind-the-scenes stuff, whatever. Then they tell you about the real crime that occurred, and so they kind of make the comparisons to, like, so you still get that, like, true crime story, and then here's what they based it off of. And then they also interview someone who was in that episode. Super cool. So it's really, really good. They're really funny. It's very entertaining. Um, They only have, like, four episodes out at this point, so they come out weekly. 
but they're super good. But it's also kind of embarrassing because I want to, you know, watch the episode before like they talk about it that week so I can have it like fresh in my mind. And so at the end of every week, they say which one they're going to do next week so you can watch it. And so then I go to watch it and I'm like, oh, I watched that like a week ago or like two days ago. (laughs) And like I said, they're all random episodes. So it's happened that like three of the four episodes I just happened to have already watched within the last two weeks. (laughs) So... Jacqueline's like TV watching and she just starts at the beginning, watches it through, and then just starts back and then watches it through and like starts. As a new, okay, all right, season one, episode one, here we go. Oh, that's the last one on Hulu. Oh, season one, episode one. Yep. (laughs) It's okay, guys. I don't have a problem. I'm going to start a new TV show soon. I don't know what, but you know, something I've never seen before because I think as we all like to do when things get hectic, we just like to watch what's comforting and what we mm-hmm. know and it's predictable. And so I haven't watched anything new in a while, but you know, I think, I think it's almost time. I think I'm almost it's ready. It's about time. Yeah. It's about that time. <laughs> so if you guys want to talk to us about Law and Order SVU or anything else. Cause send Jacqueline a message because <laughs> I don't know. Courtney's like, don't send it to the pod. Um, you can find I don't us know. on Instagram at Caffeinated Crimes Pod, on Twitter at Caff Crimes Pod, that's C-A-F-F Crimes Pod, on Facebook at Caffeinated Crimes Podcast, and you can also email us at Caffeinated Crimes Pod at Gmail. And if you feel so inclined to support the show, get some bonus content, we're really going to up our bonus content. Current Patreons, hopeful future Patreons. We're going to we're gonna get more on top of it. Life got crazy. Don't worry. I got ideas. Yes. So um, if you want to do that, go ahead over to patreon.com slash caffeinated crimes. If you, a certain tier, you can get a pin and a sticker, Google Hangouts, Q&As, bonus material, all that jazz. Um, and if you really want a pin and sticker, like without getting a patreon subscription to us subscription i don't know uh whatever you call call it um we still have our apple reviews um contest going on it'll probably be going on into 2022 at this point um but as <laughs> 2023 2024 my child's gonna be five years old <laughs> oh we gotta give away a pin and sticker now <laughs> Um, so just go do we still have those are those boxed away are they faded um you can leave us an Apple review, preferably four or five stars. You can do it on as many phones as you want, as many like Apple accounts as you have in your family or access to, or your friends, your boyfriend, I don't know, whatever, your girlfriend, whoever. Um, give us a review. Um, just leave some indicator that it's you or send us a message like showing that it's your review. And then once we get to 50, we will pick a winner and you'll get a pin, a sticker, and a $10 gift card to the coffee shop of your choice. Also, Courtney and I have not discussed this prior to right now, so we may edit this out if Courtney says no. If you guys want a sticker and a pin without doing those things, um, maybe you can just like buy them. I don't know. We don't have prices set, but if that's something that you guys would be interested in, message us and let us know, and we can true see if that's something. We do have a lot yes. of pins. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you guys would want that, and if you guys ever want to buy like any kind of merchandise um we could yes. set that up too like my sister's the one who made our logo she's made us a few shirts and a few of our family members a few shirts um so yeah i'm sure we could set something like that up and figure it out um but yeah so if you would be interested in that contact us yep. at those things we said before yeah so we're not gonna you out. know put up anything on like you know a website we're not gonna put anything together just because we don't know what the interest would be so just let us know personally if there's something that you would like and we'll see if we can make that happen so yeah yeah 
definitely. I mean, whatever you guys want, you know, we're here to please. Yes. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, go have a cup of coffee. And don't commit a crime.